World's Greatest Leaders, welcome to a new episode of the World's Greatest Leaders podcast. It is your host, JP, and I'm here with an extreme honor with a special guest. But before we talk about our special guest, I want you guys to go on Instagram and check out Cat Tail Antennas, all right? William is a phenomenal guy. He sent me some of his products so I can try it out, and it works out great because us in the military, especially if you're in the combat arms and you got to carry a radio, the worst thing is getting in and out of a fucking truck and the antenna just getting caught on the door or you're patrolling in the woods and the antenna is catching every single branch possible. So this antenna is different. It can weave through your molly of your kit, and that way it stays it stays um, not going all over the place, right? Um, I tested it, and it works great, all right? Um, and if you're if you're an airsofter and you're listening to this right now, he also sells adapters for the airsoft civilian radios. Um, so go on Instagram, go on Cattail Antennas, so Cat C A A tail antennas and if you want to buy the product use a discount code wgl podcast for an extra discount um we're coming out with some new stuff for the podcast right it's a new segment is going to come out um it's gonna it's not gonna be such much of an interview on one-on-one kind of person person right it's gonna be uh, a little bit more um more exciting i guess if you want to say that it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're setting it up. we got a new episode. It's going to be recording in a couple weeks. And uh, I promise you guys, it's going to be phenomenal. Before I drop the next episode, it's it's going to be recorded and ready to go for you guys already. Okay? Um, so, yeah. Cattail Antennas. New segment of the show. This is the second time I'm trying. I'm recording uh, with Valerie. I'm not going to talk about why I need to record it again. Just know that I had to. All right? Um... So, yeah, Words of Greatest Leaders, welcome, and I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. You ain't never heard nothing like this. Let me work, show me where the mic is. I'm on stage, black shirt, and my Tim's, you know how I do it. I ain't playing with you, I've been grinding. Anybody trying to sleep on me, better do something with your eyelids. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, JP, and this is take two with the episode with Major Valerie Carson. I promised you guys this episode a couple weeks ago, and I accidentally deleted it, but here we are, do it again, and we're going to try to keep it as unscripted as possible since you already know some (laughs) of the questions I might ask, but um, we're going to kick it off with just like a briefly... Um, introduction on on who you are and uh, just so the audience can have a little outlook on who are they talking to today so whenever whenever you're ready all right so I love to listen to people and I love to talk about psychology but I don't love to talk about myself so it's so exciting I get to do this (laughs) twice appreciate that where to start all right so I'm from Ohio I joined the army at 17 
um, eight and a half years enlisted, green to gold on active duty, E6P to um, commission, and then I was med service, so I did my PLX OS3 and command time. Um, and then I switched over to behavioral health. I'm a licensed clinical social worker with um, some extra specialization in trauma treatment and substance abuse disorder. Three kids, a three-year-old, an 11-year-old, and since we are redoing the podcast, my 18-year-old had his first COVID graduation. So oh, wow. it's a series of three, but yes. So we'll be PCSing to Fort Carson. So enter the name associations um, and taking over chief of family advocacy. I like to work out um, and spend time with my family and read and work out some more. I like tattoos and coffee and long walks on the beach. How many, how many tattoos you got? So if we kind of like consolidate them, because you know how there's some that's like yeah. a, so eight. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, any soon to be nine when COVID restrictions are up for soldiers. I was told not to get a new one until <laughs> soldier restrictions are up by my commander. So I'm going to be a good soldier. Um, is there any of them you regret? Oh, no, never. No regrets. Mm-mm. Because I have two cover-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no regrets, but cover-ups. Um, which one is your first one? What, can you my first it? one, it's covered up, but not because I regret it whatsoever. Yep, so I was 18 back on, uh, was it Exodus? So Christmas leave out of AIT, I think it was an AIT at the time. So, yeah, I went back home. Me and my brother went to his friend's um, garage, and we, we both got tats. There was a lot of extracurricular activity going on. Um, my tattoo was Sublime. Do you know Sublime? People who sure. are older than you will know who Sublime wow. is. <laughs> um, so they have a, the, like their emblem is a, a sun. Yeah. Um, so it's the Sublime sun. Mm-hmm. That was my first one. All right, well, with no further ado, oh, before that, Valerie is the first ever female what? to come on the show, which is kind of like a, a milestone. Yes. And I just hit 750 listeners, so I'm pretty pumped. Um, again, I, I want to I make this podcast with just a mix of guests as possible. We're, we're coming up with some new segments. We've got some stickers on the way. I'm going to do some raffles of some prizes on Instagram, so just stay tuned on the Instagram page and... You guys will hear more about it. But we're going to kick off with the tr- traditional gun it. Uh, and the first question is, what is a snack that you must bring to the field? Oh, damn. You, you paused at the wrong time. Like, you're asking me what a snack is? <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? Um, hot tamales. Hot tamales. That's and also one. when I um, do land nav, I like to have hot tamales with me as well. That's the first one, but okay. Um, and jumps. So, yeah. Uh, if you had to pick one person to get stuck with in a room for 24 hours, it can't be a family member. Who would you pick and why? So what comes to my head is a previous question, but um, it's still hard. Um, yeah, I mean, Gandhi. Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Gandhi. All right. Um, I'm going to go and guess that you're a superhero person more than a villain person. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Okay. Who is your favorite superhero? That's good because I could not pick a favorite villain. Even <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to like tell me the villains. So yeah, my favorite superhero is Wonder Woman. Definitely Wonder oh Woman. Oh my god! Which you know, yes, that's definitely Wonder Woman. And no, I did not ask this on the last podcast. I think. <laughs> um, 
What was the last thing you did in public and you were glad that nobody saw? Oh, wow. Um, and that I want to share on a podcast. Um, hmm. I, don't know, I had this hair in my sports bra and it was really itchy. So I reached down and pulled it out. <laughs> so. um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Hmm. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, people chomping when they eat. <laughs> when you hear yeah. them chewing mm -hmm. that pisses me off yeah. so much and i yeah i turn on music at the dinner table sometimes the, it, this might be pretty odd but sometimes when you're at, you're at some kind of eating facility and someone that walks in and you realize and you're like oh that person's pretty attractive and then that person starts to eating mm -hmm. and you're like nope oh my god no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it happens every time yep um if you're at an airport and an airline gave you a ticket to go anywhere in the world that you would want, where would you go? It would definitely be on a beach. Um, yes. I, I mean, I really loved Greece, so I would probably say um, back to Greece oh, if, I, if I just had to pick off the top of my the head. The whole area is just amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, Greece. I think my favorite beach in, in Europe, Barcelona is hard to top. But Barcelona is extremely touristy, mm -hmm. and there's a whole bunch of Jamaicans or Africans or, or in, in all kinds of crazy people over there just walking around, asking if you want these knockoff mojitos and sangrias yeah. with no alcohol in them whatsoever. And I know that because I fell in the trap and I oh bought like shit. two of them. You bring your own bottle. No, you know what? I want to go to Bora Bora. If if we're just throwing it out there, I want okay. I want a hut in the middle of nowhere in Bora Bora. But anyways, I think the best place so far mm -hmm. I've ever been is Pula, Croatia. That Aww. place is awesome. COVID canceled that for me. Was yeah. it really fun? Yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, I came back. My back was extremely tan because I was snorkeling all day. Ah, it's man, it's awesome. awesome. But I do recommend you bring uh, those pool shoes because someone told me to bring it. I didn't bring it. And the, the beaches up there, they're not sand. Mm -hmm. It's like rocks. Mm rocks like a lot of grease too yeah. and it's right? very uh yeah. if you don't have your pool shoes it hurts your feet it obviously you but well. i think if you did a couple 18 milers here yeah. in one i one, it yeah. would probably <laughs> be helpful um <clears throat> if you were president and you had the power to pass one thing in congress with the guaranteed approval what would that be um strict healthy lunches in school systems so you just ban McDonald's and Burger King? Um, well, yeah, that's I not school system, I wouldn't ban free free will because generally those would be in the high school and they would be options, but I would I would not want those in the cafeteria. Okay. No. That makes sense. It makes sense. A lot of sense, especially in America where our like obesity rate is extremely high compared to other countries. Yeah, well, our the food that we serve is pretty shitty and it's a and very, very important for cognitive development to Even have Even at the defect. Foods. You go to the defect and you'll have like fried chicken, some, I mean, I'm not complaining because I don't really eat there, but. You have to seek out the healthier options though, yeah. right? Like for breakfast, you can get an egg white omelet, no problem. Mm -hmm. I like Lunch. how they label the good yeah. foods green and stuff well, like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's kind of like the ones they labeled as good. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they're like quote unquote good, but they're not yeah. healthy. Um. Where was the best defect you ever had, you ever ate? Oh, yeah, Spiker. Where's that at? 
Um, Iraq. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think most of those the defects in the Middle East are phenomenal. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I never been to yeah. a, no defect in Iraq or Afghanistan, but when we did a little trip to to uh, Turkey mm-hmm. at the end of last year, the defect they had over there was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was also it was also on an Air Force base, but it was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had the power, what regulation would you add or change? All right, I know this one. Um, so there's a regulation. Well, there's a shit ton of regulations, right? But um, there's some regulations that stipulate um, separations from the military. And um, there is a separation that is afforded to individuals who are newly entered, so in the initial entry phase of training. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, just it says that the military is not right for them. They're not right for the military. No big deal. No harm done. Um, you tried it. It didn't work out. Um, but that chapter is not available to individuals once they get to their first duty station by the time they process and all that stuff it's not available and you can get through training right like you remember basic AIT and airborne school is very structured and rigid and you didn't really have a lot of time to think and you didn't have to worry about what you were going to do because you were told what to do mm-hmm. but then you get to your duty station and then you sometimes you just realize that the mil- the actual military life might not be right for you yeah um yeah, so I would change the the timeline of that initial entry chapter. It makes sense because you you you, it's a e- it's extremely easy to get through basic, well in my case OSUD and airborne school. Airborne school you're just learning how to fall, mm-hmm. and lots of times it's not the right answer. But lots of times you'll see uh, soldiers getting passed through, mm-hmm. through basic and AIT and stuff like that, and they get to their to their units and it's quick. You can instantly tell that that person is not. It's not made to be here, mm-hmm. but and and there's nothing wrong with that. No, but not at all. <clears throat> I also extending a little bit for that. I, I do think that we should do a lot better job on um, chaptering soldiers that that are meant to be here. Mm-hmm. Like I think we take a l- too much of a long time to um, decide on punishments to investigate everything and then start the chaptering process. We can take up to like a year, maybe two years of a soldier mm-hmm. that is supposed to get chapter but and that's tough because there's checks and balances sometimes to protect the army and to protect the soldier Mm -hmm. right and sometimes the checks and balances which are very well meaning um can take a long time uh yeah i don't think i actually introduced what i do for a living did i not this time huh we'll we'll get there we'll get there after we're done with gun it um if you could we got three more if you could call yourself five years in the future and ask any question what would that question be? Was getting the doctorate worth it? We'll get there too. Okay. Um, if you could possess someone's body for a whole day, oh what would God. you do and whose body would it be? Would it be? That sounds really creepy though. But I I'm going to go with I don't Okay, so it would be Tia Tumi, right? Like the because she is um so she's CrossFit champion, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I, I honestly, but I would do like pretty damn hard wad, right? And <laughs> yeah. just kind of like go walk around doing pull-ups wherever I saw a bar. Just um, to see how it is. To yeah, just see what it animal. feels like to just be able to fly through the sky. Yeah. I want to know the feeling of deadlifting 600 pounds like Ronnie Comer or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I get that. <clears throat> and the last one is what's the best piece of advice that you can give to someone? I would say listen to your gut 
stick to your goals and don't wait for anyone to do something for you when you can do it for yourself. Okay, and that concludes the gunnet, right? Um, well, we, we can we can get it before we start an interview. Just go ahead and tell the, the people what you do for a living. Okay. And stuff like that. A little bit more in-depth introduction of, of who is Valerie. Okay. Um, so when you asked for the initial introduction, I kind of gave you the overview, right? Like what I would write on my card when I was being introduced yeah. at a Halo for well or something. Sure. Um, in middle school, I took a class and I learned that the color of the walls influence a person's mood. And I found that to be really fascinating combined with, I find it extremely fascinating that we don't understand ourselves most of the time. Right, so we can't always feel when there's something wrong with us or we don't always understand our mind-body connection. So that led me into the behavioral health field. But I didn't want to go to college right after high school because I was kind of burnt out. So I joined the Army, um, went to a bunch of duty stations, got promoted a lot, and then decided I wanted to commission. Still not ready for behavioral health because I wanted to do more leadership stuff. So. Mm -hmm hit all the leadership goals I wanted to do, and then I was ready to come into the behavioral health field. Um, and I'm really glad I did it that way for me personally because I just it's not about the end state for me. It's about the journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, and I've really enjoyed the journey so far. Um, and being a behavior – so my current position, behavioral health officer for 173rd, one of two BHOs, um, standard disclaimer, I don't currently represent – the unit or the army in this uh, podcast, right? But um, that is what I do for a living. Um, and I think that being enlisted, um, filling sandbags, doing shitty details, being an NCO, being a platoon leader and a commander and a staffer, like all of those have helped inform my understanding of the world and the military, which allows me to um, meet people where they are as a therapist as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really thankful for that. It's kind of like you 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 understand where that person is at because you've been there in a lot of ways. You've been yeah. in that position, mm -hmm. and then and then I mean like of course I can't I haven't been everywhere, um, and I'm also thankful that I haven't been everywhere, right? Because there I mean we all go through tough times, but so there's the empathy and there's the sympathy side of it, right? Mm -hmm. But. Um, yeah, just having having lived the life a little bit, I think I can kind of understand a bit more of what's going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that you need to do all the things I've done to be a th therapist in any way, but it's helped me personally mm -hmm. um, to go that route. So, yeah, so th I've been here about three years now in Grafenbier, Germany, 173rd, and I'm definitely leaving a much better therapist and leader, I would hope to say, um, that I came here as. So, um. The 173rd does change a lot of people, mm -hmm. especially when you get here. Like, well, I got here as a private. I had to have no idea, not even at the time I boot up, but it's it's awesome. But it's um, a growing experience, yeah. Yeah. So, you, how how was your transition in going from being a non commissioned officer to an officer? Like, how how yeah. what program did you do? How did that work? And yeah, so I chose the Green Gold on active duty program specifically because um, I didn't want to be that guy. And sometimes I was that guy a little bit, but um, it was very much an NCO, right? Like I could spot a boot lace out from like a mile away and um, I just took that, um, the NCO core very seriously. And I, I understand that you need to transition your field of view 
from an NCO to an officer. So that's why I did the green to gold on active duty program versus OCS. The active duty program, that means that you stay on active duty while you go through ROTC. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't lose any time. So so in August, I will have been in the Army 22 years, right, Um, on active duty. And two of those years, I was in ROTC. So that's what it means by the active duty portion. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I... I You get paid while you go through that? Yeah, so I was... So as a staff sergeant promotable at the time, you can't, like, I couldn't pick up E7, which is whatever, right? Like, you can't get promoted while you're in mm-hmm. the um, school, program. but you could, yeah, so I got paid my my rank and um, everything. I, I was on active duty. So, okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, I was looking at some, uh, like, O3E pay, O4E pay, and I was like, so this is nice. you don't get O4E pay, but you get O1 to O3E mm-hmm. pay, and it is, it is very good, yeah. I mean, you're getting paid for your experience, right? The E is for enlisted, but yeah. it could be for experience. You know? Sure. Yeah, that works. Um, so when you're assigned to these organizations, like like the the 173rd, mm-hmm. what, is, what is your purpose and what are some things that you do while assigned to these units? Mm-hmm. I have a couple of hats. Um, I'm always a therapist, right? I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So part of the day, I am regulatorily required to be at the clinic for 20 hours per week. Um, so psychotherapist, a big part of what I do as well as a liaison. So I speak army, I speak airborne lingo, um, and I speak medical, right? So airborne lingo. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it is important though, right? Yeah. Because if I was speaking to you and I, I didn't know what IMC was, or I, I misrepresented that, then you'd look at me kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right? A little bit. So, um, I'm sure the people listening are like, what the hell is IMC? But go to airborne school and you'll find out. Uh, yeah, I guess probably not all 700 plus people are yeah. um, airborne. But yeah, so a big part of that is a liaison as well. So um, communicating with command about um, resources or an individual's safety concerns, communicating to the soldier about resources, um, and then all the all we have a lot of prevention assets, medical assets that I do a bit of coordination with as well and then also you know my favorite part which has been tough during covid but it's getting better is just kind of shooting the shit just being being with soldiers you know Mm -hmm. paratroopers here uh taking steps to reduce stigma because there's a huge stigma on behavioral health and i recognize and respect that but um just walking around the motor pool um being with everyone during the field and that kind of stuff um it's a big part of the job as well well, I hope you see you in the. F- I hope I see you in the field next I'm week. I'm PCSing. Oh, I will come. I will come visit you guys though. Well, when yeah, you, when you sure. PCS, but my replacement is here. Um, I was scheduled to do ILE, which for Army people, that's a promotion. It's like it's a school required for promotion to lieutenant colonel. Mm-hmm. Right? I was supposed to do that at the end of June, but I pulled that because of COVID. Um, so I'm gonna work through June, and then I'll be clearing in July. Okay. So, yeah. Well. Um, we might be on the same flight because I'm at PCS in July too. Yes. But I'm going to Tennessee. Yeah. I'm not going to be a paratrooper no more. Which is kind of, well, I'll always be a paratrooper, but I'm not going to be on active jump status. There's a big, huge army out there. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. Um, yeah, so uh, I kind of lost track of where we were. 
So um, you, you asked me what I do here, you know, yeah, so yeah, as is. a behavioral health officer that I will say that the, the military, um, so it was around 2008-ish, don't quote me exactly, but the military allocated, so added a bunch of um, jobs to the, um, trying to like talk non-army, it's really tough, um, a lot of green suitor jobs in the units, right? So else um, clinicians assigned to the units. Mm-hmm. Um and then um, also clinicians, so civilians who are embedded with the unit. So okay. they're um, really beefing up the numbers of providers who are aligned with the, the units. That would be legit. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, it would be awesome if we had like each company or troop had a, what's it called? A provider. So it's, it's a traditional embedded behavioral health clinic has one provider per battalion. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, a behavioral health provider, but I'm, I'm kind of going towards like the the fitness and strengthening oh, provider. Oh, strength that'll and be, fitness. That would be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right now the military has um, on Vilsec, right? There's mm-hmm. um, There are psychologists who are like kind of like sports psychologists. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. They went, they, did they go with you guys? For yeah, they came, they, uh, my... One of my old platoon leaders, he he used to like get them to come out and just yeah. do, and like Huge work resource. our PT every like like three four times, but that was like three PLs ago and yeah, I think you I should need I think to reintroduce yeah. that to yeah I should yeah oh. even though I'm leaving I should be some people get to like I don't care mode anymore but maybe I should do that mm-hmm. um all right well so um why is it why is it important for our leaders to to be? Co- all right, before I ask that question, mm-hmm. I'm trying. To, previous episodes, there are more focused to how to be better leaders and how th- looking at different leadership styles. And I think um, this episode, I want to target it to more on why leaders should be mentally healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because I don't think a good leader. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's because I. Uh, you, you're a, you're oh, okay. Well, thank you for health. stipulating that. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. That's not what <laughs> I'm trying to say. But you, you are a subject matter expert in, in behavioral health. And I, I think I should take advantage of that before you leave. So why do you think it's important for, for our leaders, especially in, in line units, mm. to be mentally healthy? And why is it important for them to seek help if mm-hmm. it's needed? All right. Um, so what, what we see a lot of times is... Um, e- E5E6s, right? The um, sergeant, staff sergeants, there's a lot of pressure placed on those ranks, right? Um, shit rolls downhill, you're responsible for your Joes. A lot of times um, when uh, individuals get, um, you know, like DUIs or just get in trouble, mm-hmm. it's going to roll on the E5E6. Yeah. And um, at that time, we're still figuring out our identity. We're still getting comfortable with... Um, being non-commissioned officers, being leaders, and we just push, push, push. And a lot of times what that means is we don't always ask for help. We we look at it as um, a weakness, asking for help. And for I should say for officers as well. Like when I was a platoon leader, I was just like, Roger, yeah, and like go figure this shit out later, you yeah. know? Like, um, But then as we grow in rank, we realize that we can't do it all alone. We, we, we inherently can't know everything, and we need to reach out. So um, to kind of answer your question, why is it important for leaders – 
because the more we shove our anxiety and our depression and our stress uh, down, like we just kind of, we have this way of just not thinking about it in hopes that it'll go away. It actually stays with us um, and it can come out. We call them big fancy words, psychosomatic manifestations. So you can start getting back aches, headaches, neck aches, um, stomach lots of stomach pain, difficulty concentrating. What we see a lot is anger outbursts. So um, just more psychoeducation. So, you, you know, it's a, the military is a very go, 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 go uh, environment, which it needs to be. You need to execute, right? So that's, that's the whole end state is to be able to execute, whether it's in the absence of orders, in a firefight, or in a high-stress uh, meeting, and you be able to execute. And when our brain is cloudy with um, a lot of stress and anxiety, it's more difficult to think and execute in an objective manner. So just like our physical health, if we, if we pay attention to our emotional and mental health and address it as it comes up, um, we're not going to need that uh, physical therapy later on or um, we're not going to have that injury. So a lot of times the injuries, they, they do look like uh, increased anxiety to the point of panic attacks or anger to the point of our spouse is telling us that we need to talk to somebody or our, um, you know, our unit is running away from us when they see us coming because we're not, we don't have a, mm-hmm. you know, a steady mood. And, and if we get to that point, fine, there are, there are definitely resources, you know, to help us. But, um, why is it important to address our mental health as so that we can think and execute objectively so we can be a whole person? Yeah, you, you mentioned something that I, I have, see a lot. I do it most of the times where people just, just kind of like toughen it out and mm-hmm. they, like, I'm not going to deal with that. I'll, I'll deal with it at a later time or I'm just going to act like everything's okay. And I, it always comes to mind, uh, I, I don't know who the, the, I forgot who the Sergeant Major is, but it's basically, um, he was going to behavioral health, mm-hmm. and after a certain time, the 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 therapist was like, Sergeant Major, I'd, I'd, you come here, but I think you're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I just want to come here once a week to show to my soldiers that it's okay to come here and, and talk to someone if you need yeah. to talk. And with that being said, that that, that brought a big influence on um, on people seeing that it's okay to seek help mm-hmm. especially guys that work with me they were like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go seek help i'm not gonna be weak but <clears throat> and i think that's gonna tie into the next question i'm about to ask you is is how are other means of of leaders to influence others in the workplace that it's okay to come come talk to someone if needed mm-hmm. so you mean aside from actually just going to bh yourself yeah there's i mean there there's a uh a couple of things be true in your word and deed right like so um I know for a fact that there are still individuals, leaders, whatever, who put down, you know, say negative things about coming to behavioral health or even negative things about going to sick call. And a lot of that is influenced by just the stress of needing to get a lot of missions done, right? Um, But we have to understand that if we speak in a derogatory manner about something, then it's our soldiers are going to be less apt to come to BH when when they're having the early on symptoms. So 
you know, just being open and honest. Um, if, if an individual, if a leader has gone to BH and they want to share that, you know, they definitely don't have to, but I've heard many, many leaders since, um, my time here in the 173rd talk about how behavioral health has made a positive impact on either themselves or their family or both. Um, uh, so that, that can, so the two things I've said, right. One, don't talk shit about BH and two, if you have positive experiences, share them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely important, especially someone that has a, especially like one, someone like a squadron commander, or a sergeant major, mm -hmm. a platoon star, whoever that person is, you have at least someone looking up to you. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes that person just doesn't want to go to talk to someone because they don't want to disappoint you, think mm -hmm. that you think that they're weak. Mm -hmm. But if you just go ahead and just do it or just make it make it known that it's, it's okay to do that stuff, it would just, it would just um, I don't know, a lot of soldiers would kind of feel a little bit more comfortable. Right. Yeah. So just doing your part to reduce the stigma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why is it important that that leaders safeguard their own mental health? Right. Well. Okay. So let me, from my perspective, I kind of told you the lens I'm I'm working through. Right. My mm -hmm. experience is up to here. But when you say leader, because I I do believe we're all leaders in our own right. Right. Yeah. Um. So regardless of rank or position, but, but when you say leaders, what comes to my mind is pretty much like that team leader, squad leader and above. Yeah. Um, okay. So why is it important? Well, believe it or not, the military doesn't last forever. It, and it does. Um, yeah. <laughs> you see all the time. <laughs> yep. Um, and then even in, I guess the corporate world as well, right? So individuals who are not in the military, but, um, it goes back to what I was saying about it, it's about the journey, not the destination, right? So safeguarding your mental health is is about being present in the moment and about being present in the future, right? So um, not so go back, I guess, to the, the physical. It's, it's kind of easy to have a comparison to the physical side because that's something that we can, um, I mean, touch, right? But if you if you're having knee problems and you don't address it when you're in the military, and then after rucks and jumps and just military life, you know, then your knees aren't working by the end of it, and you can't play with your kids or your grandkids, right? Well, it's the same way with mental health. Our brain is an organ, um, just like the rest of the it's organs. The strongest muscle. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. Yeah, for sure. And um, muscles atrophy if we don't use them, right? We know that. Um, but uh, so there's a lot of different parts of the brain. And if we um, if we don't keep those healthy, then um, we are not going to be healthy. Mm -hmm. so. um, yeah. It, it, one of my favorite topics is is PT. Mm -hmm. I, love, I love talking about physical training, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> do you think that physical training can and exercises can can impact someone's mental health? I don't think it can. I know it can. Yeah, right? you are. You are. Uh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> know that it can. Um, okay, so fine. I'll talk about about myself again. Um, we went over this in <laughs> detail last time. I thought you hated talking and about yourself. I do. I do. Um, but I'm. Uh, I know I should like find that clip from last time and splice it in. Yeah, I can um, do that. But uh, how about this? I'll speak from from me, and then I'll speak from psychology. So. Um, you know, I had my 18th birthday in basic training. I'm about to have my 40th birthday coming up here pretty soon. There's um, no, I don't so believe you're 40 years old. Heck yeah, if I had my wallet, I would show you. In August, I will That's be. That's crazy. What? I know, I'm so excited. Um, this is 40. 
Uh, I digress though. Okay, so why the why I have excelled in my own personal views, right? Why I have enjoyed the military in large part is because of the physical fitness aspect of it. I love running. Um, didn't used to love lifting because I was just a runner, not just a runner. I, I apologize. I, I was a runner like that consumed me, right? So army to miler teams, I was on the army marathon team. Um, and then I got into lifting and then, you know, became a personal trainer and, um, all that kind of stuff. But the act of getting out and being physical, it, it's more than just the accomplishment of, so for running, you know, PR or, or for lifting a PR as mm -hmm. well, right? Um, it's much more than that. It's about understanding your own individual capabilities and not being confined by societal expectations or individual expectations. So it's understanding your true potential. Um, and, and, that, and that in a lot of ways, you, you can find yourself, you know, when, when, you're, when you're pushing your physical boundaries you mentioned you know the 18 milers in 191 and that was probably farther than a lot of individuals had moved their physical yeah, body and ever. they realized like after the first one we did and it was snowing and raining and it felt shitty but then we did another and another and people <laughs> realized like i can freaking do 18 miles with this heavy ass ruck on my back you know so like it shows you what you're capable of um but okay so then from the clinical from the psychological perspective why is exercise healthy for you? Um, well, it gets blood pumping, right? And blood goes to the brain. So there's this thing called the blood-brain barrier. Um, if we talk about drugs and alcohol later, I could go into detail on that one. We can talk about that. Um. Absolutely. Sure. Um, Anything. But, uh, yeah, getting getting blood pumping is very healthy. Getting, um, w You know when you work out, right? you got to pay attention to your breathing. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. When you're, you're not yourself, working. Just, <gasps> yeah, you you're like, out. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you pay attention to your breathing when you're not working out? Don't lie. Not really. No. Okay. Just, I just do. You just do. It comes just, naturally, just right? Here. But uh, so, yeah, it's, it's not always the healthiest breathing, though, when we're not being intentional. We're not, we're not bringing that healthy oxygen in and pushing out the, the toxins. Um, so part of it is just, it's literally focusing on your breathing. Um, breathing can help you control your fight or flight response. Everybody knows the fight or flight response, right? I'm, um, I'm going to pretend like I do. Do what? I'm going to pretend like I do, though. You could pretend like you don't. That way I could explain it. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So you, you know we have a nervous system, right? It runs throughout our body. It helps regulate um, many functions within mm -hmm. our body, right? So you've got the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system, right? Yeah, this right? is fascinating. <laughs> much more psychoeducation this time. I'm <laughs> um, trying to make it fun. Um, yeah, so just picture the anatomy class, right? And you got the veins and you all the shit flowing through your body, right? So one side is re responsible for fight or flight. We use that a lot in the military. It actually goes back to the caveman days, though. So if a bear is running at you, um, you, you have three choices, right? You can fight the bear. Not a good idea, but sure. <laughs> That's a choice. Um, if you're a paratrooper, you can probably kill the bear with bare hands. Just take that knife out and with your bare hands, you can jump on him. Yeah. Yeah, for they sure. They teach you how to kill bears in airborne school. I do. I remember that. Yeah. Sorry. I totally forgot. Um, so, yeah, you could fight the bear. Crockett. Davy Crockett, right? Didn't he? Wasn't he supposed to have killed a bear? You could go Davy Crockett on him. Sure. That's before my time, too. Just okay. in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to pretend like I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, that's fight, right? Um, flight, which means run away from the bear, which is 
not a smart idea either for like unless you're Usain Bolt or um, some some um, pretty cool tribes. I think where in Africa or Mexico, there's some pretty fast. That's some pretty folks there. different places, Africa and Mexico. No, but there are tribes in both. Mm-hmm. It's not a document. I don't think there's any bears in Mexico. Well, they may not have done it for the bears specifically. I think people run for I'm, I'm extremely confused here. Like we went from talking the nervous systems <laughs> to bears. We're still okay, so to recap, right? Fight, flight, or freeze. Yes. You got the nervous system. One side is responsible for preparing you for the fight, flight, or freeze, the other side is responsible for calming you down. Right? Mm-hmm. So our brains haven't evolved that much since caveman days. So when we see a threat, our brain reacts in the same way that it would if we saw the bear. So we can fight the bear. We can run away from the bear or we can play dead and hope the bear just plays with us and then leaves us alone, right? Or you can just eat your head off. So it could, right? But um, and I'm not a wildlife expert. I just understand that freeze is one of the better responses mm-hmm. um, when you come to contact with the bear, right? Because uh, it's kind of talked about in the running world a little bit. So back to the nervous system and the brain. Yeah. So the brain has not evolved the same way that cell phones and um, electronic devices have in this century. So let's say you are walking down the street and your NCO yells at you. Um, you're in a board meeting and someone asks you a question you don't know the answer to. Or you are about to jump out of a C-130, whatever. All those different scenarios, your brain assesses a potential threat in the same way it would assess a bear running at you Mm -hmm. right so we use that side of our brain quite a lot yes that side of our brain is very very uh strong it's kind of like the dude in the gym who doesn't do legs but he does a lot of upper body right so he's jacked on top you guys know we talk about use ice cream cones looking (laughs) dudes so in this scenario well, what, what about or the females that only do legs that don't do upper body right yeah yeah can't forget about you guys right yeah and you could speak more to that because i don't actually pay attention but i understand conceptually <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so the legs are the other side of the nervous system they're the side that help deregulate help calm us down help put the adrenaline away right and we don't pay attention to that much so because you got lost, I'll take you back to the beginning, which is the breathing. <laughs> yeah. When you're running, when you're working out, you focus on your breathing. Throughout the day, you don't. Yes. So focusing on your breathing, pay attention to where you're at in the moment. A lot of times in sports, you're focused on curling the weight or... Um, and, you know, in, in CrossFit, there's a lot of multifunctional movements and you have to pay very close attention to what you're doing so you don't hurt yourself, right? Well, that's actually a form of mindfulness. So one of the benefits of exercise is it's assisting you in mindfulness, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then it's also keeping you physically healthy as well. Okay. Well, I want to bring this kind of back to um, Staff Sergeant Carson or Lieutenant Carson kind of days um <clears throat> i'm not going to ask you if your leadership approach changed from when you transitioned from staff sergeant to lieutenant because mm-hmm. i know for a fact that it changed mm-hmm. but how it changed and what are some things that changed mm-hmm. that you think right um it, it changed noticeable. slow very very slow um quite honestly i, re- I remember when i um Did you catch yourself like being a lieutenant and then uh, being an nco the nco mode just snaps on you just like 
little bit. Reel someone in and. <laughs> I mean, only when it was you know necessary, like safety related stuff, um, for sure. I you know the NCO is a the NCO mentality. It's a state of mind a lot. So I'll still catch myself doing it, and at times. Um, when she's like, let's just get this shit done, right? Like, let's let's draft up a plan and let's execute it. I don't want to spend five hours thinking about it. Let's just get it done. Um, but the way that it did change, it is very important to understand that the foxhole changes, right? Even even when you go up the NCO, uh, in NCO ranks, your foxhole changes. Um, and as I have gone up in rank as an officer, it's definitely changed a bit as well. I mean, you could speak to, you know, my my NCOs and soldiers when I was in company command, and they would still definitely tell you that I had tenants of being an NCO to a certain extent. Um, but you realize kind of the same thing with behavioral health. You, you really can't do it all on your own, and um, it's very important to delegate. Micromanaging is, is really not beneficial for anyone you know the individuals below you so if you're a platoon leader then your platoon sergeant your squad leaders they don't grow um so letting the ncos be ncos letting the mm-hmm. joes be the joes and then you be the platoon leader the company commander or the what whatever you know position you're in it it helps everyone grow but it's challenging and you have to focus yeah to focus on it. it it's i think this is pretty unrealistic but i do think that a lot of ncos would definitely uh, and some ncos that are listening right now they'll definitely agree with me that maybe for you to be an officer, you mm-hmm. should have some kind of enlisted experience, because mm. lots of the times you'll you'll see, um, off uh, like you said, like you said, officers micromanaging, mm-hmm. right? Not trusting their NCOs, mm-hmm. not trusting that the 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 privates in your in your platoon are gonna listen to your NCO properly, stuff like that. And maybe if the the um, <coughs> that PL mm. or that troop commander, mm-hmm. that company commander had that little bit of experience on how NCOs work and, and how enlisted do things. It kind of make, it just make it a lot stronger, a lot better. It's kind of realistic. I don't, don't think that it's ever going to happen, but yeah. yeah, because, you know, I think having a well-balanced anything is important, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe former NCOs who become officers bring a certain kind of skill set or understanding to the table, but individuals who have never had that experience can bring a different kind of objectivity, and then we can all work together. Yeah. So that's a possibility as well. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good topic to just talk about because mm-hmm. there's just so much that can just go into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, because some of it it's, can be a double-edged sword, right? So I have, you know, those war, quote-unquote war stories. I don't mean combat stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, back-in-my-day stories. But um, so, like, filling sandbags. Yeah. So it was literally filling sandbags in the middle of the night in a monsoon in Korea. Like, the things you can't make up, and you look back, and you're just <laughs> like, what? Like, I saw one of our guys cutting grass. Um this week in in the evening with a push mower that apparently all the other mowers were broken you know the, the one that has a six blades and just <laughs> rotates jeez when like, was this it's like the other day we had a meeting and it ended very late up at squadron and i was what? like poor guy i was like you know in 10 years you're gonna have some stories about this shit and yeah. like yeah no doubt but um i don't even think they made those anymore they should like no, ban it was those. hilarious it was hilarious and you know he had to feel some kind of way about yeah. it so but those things build they do build character um, if you allow them to, right? But if you take it as um, 
I'm better than this, you know, or um, I, I deserve something better than this without putting in the work, then it can also build you down. Mm-hmm. So instead of building you up. Yeah. Because um, lots of times we'll, you'll get you'll get some, some officers. And I'm not – I had fantastic uh, PLs. Maybe like – Disclaimer. Maybe like one that I – that may or may not hated him, mm-hmm. but it, it's 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 just how how it goes. But it's um, they'll they'll come with with some experience like from for for armor officers like a bolic or i bolic mm-hmm. for infantry officers, the the arc course or the arslic or ranger school for mm-hmm. example, and and they'll just like and they'll have a, a buckload of NCOs under them that been to combat. Yeah. I'm not saying that that means anything, but most lots of the times it does experiential that, knowledge yeah. is what and like he just won't won't let the NCOs do their job mm-hmm. right and we experienced here especially when I won not too long ago that the unit used to be very uh officer ran right mm-hmm. like NCOs had no kind of uh, uh the officers had no kind of trust on NCOs to NCOs do their work and it's just a uh, it was unfortunate but made us all better in a way i guess it's all learning but we'll move on right um <clears throat> let me go back to those questions bear with me so what are what are what are some tools that are provided to not just our leaders but mm-hmm. the paratroopers in general the soldiers in general that um that they can use to ensure the good mental health in the, in the organization mm-hmm. um so individual mental health or organizational mental health or both this be okay. I'll start with individual mental health, right? Um, the army has so many resources that we don't often utilize. We just don't like whether it's because we we think we don't have time or we think we don't need them. We often don't use the things until shit really hits the fan, right? But there's a lot of you could say like prevention type stuff. So the army has financial planners, mm-hmm. right? Like I told you before this today's started that I, I listened to the, the financial podcast a lot, right? Just for, just to get in the mindset, but, um, it's free. We don't have to pay anything to go to these financial planners and we would pay a lot of money on the civilian side. And why I bring that up as a mental health professional is because a lot of the stress in our life can revolve around finances. When our finances aren't straight, it's really tough to focus on other aspects of life, right? So if your finances aren't straight, go to a financial planner. Um, or if you have big financial fights in marriages, right, mm-hmm. um, you can go to the financial planner. And that could be – because it's like a, almost like a counselor of finances, right? So that's, that's one. Um, of course, there's the military and family life counselor, the MFLAC. Um, it's a civilian who – they don't take notes. They have the same reporting requirements that um, behavioral health providers do. Um, but they don't take notes, and they can meet outside of the clinic. Um, for So if you're having marital difficulties, missing home, difficulty adjusting to the military, um, some kind of um, just really kind of dissatisfaction with life, you can go talk to the MFLACs. Um, and then the the unit chaplain is always a great resource. Um, they they don't take any notes and they don't have any reporting requirements, right? And sometimes you can you can talk to the the chaplain and that might be perfect for what you're looking for. Or you can talk to them for a while and then they could offer you, offer you some other resources uh, as well. 
And then, so, so I'm a behavioral health officer. I work at the behavioral health clinic, right? So we have counselors and our, our left and right limits are wide open. Um, I guess 360, right? So everything from missing home and adjustment disorder to psychosis, and we can assist people along that process. Mm -hmm. Um, so those resources, and then there's family resources as well, right? So you, join the military you have a baby right when yeah. you have your baby like your your wife's mom came to visit yep. yeah so not it but she wasn't there the whole time right and then not all family members can bring out um or can come out i should say right so soldier and a family member have a baby can't bring out their family it gets really stressful so um family advocacy program they have a big prevention side where they have um they have people who would just come out to your home and help you rearrange your house in a way that'll help you take care of baby. Um, so those are some resources as well. We, we talked about the, um, so on Vilsec there, there's, uh, uh, sections when we were talking about the sports psychologist, yes. um, that's, that's a huge resource as well. They can do not in my squad. They can train up squad leaders, um, on how to, to work with stress, how to identify threats, that kind of stuff. They can, come out and help you build your psychological fitness. I actually changed my um, signature block to psychological fitness because that's really like when you reframe it in that aspect, that's what we're doing, sounds, right? We're getting like, psychologically fit. Sounds so, pretty dope. Yeah, spread it. Psychological fitness. Psychological new fitness. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Um, back to a whole uh, um, staff sergeant slash lieutenant slash captains. Carson, back when... Um, before you got into the behavioral health world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You all see it, like like we mentioned before, uh, brand new lieutenants coming in to work, mm -hmm. and they they have squad leaders, they have uh, staff sergeants, sergeants classes that have been in the army much longer than they have, and they have a lot more experience. Mm -hmm. But you were different, like you 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 when you became a platoon leader, you had all your enlisted, well you sure. had yeah, like I did. eight years of experience mm -hmm. to make to the table. Did you, were you treated differently than, yes. than I was treated differently. And I also would not allow others to treat me the way that some may think it's okay to treat a second Lieutenant. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, somebody tried that one time and it just, I mean, it just didn't work, yeah. you know, but yeah, it was more, it was more from what I was told anyway, it was more about the way I carried myself, mm -hmm. um, than anything, but yeah, you know, a lot of times you walk into a room and it looks like, you know what you're doing. People just leave you alone. Yeah. So. Something that I always carry with me. You always look cool and you got good training. Nobody's going to question you. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is look cool. I'm just kidding. Don't just look cool. Get training. Get better. Um, but yeah, because you see, <laughs> you see a lot of times that the second lieutenants will come, especially to, to the to line units. They get fucked with so hard. I it's I I hit my lieutenant beret so many times. He just left it on his desk and just put it in the microwave. I mean, so I mean, some of that stuff though, it shows acceptance when you yeah. guys fuck with each other like that. So. I remember, I remember my first when I first uh, got back from BLC, I they switched me platoons, um, and I, I could see that that kind of like a all the privates and all the lower enlisted were kind of like holding back, kind of because you're not a part of the group yet. Mm. And we go to the field, and it's my birthday, mm. right? And they're like, all right, let's go do a range cleanup. Mm -hmm. We go to the spot we're supposed to do. We cleaned up all the brass and over there, and then we go to another spot. Mm -hmm. That was not part of the range cleanup. But I didn't know it was not that. So <laughs> over, we're over there looking for the brass, and I was get taken down from the back by one of the guys, and 
tradition is this is not hazing. Tradition is you pull up your shirt and everybody will slap your tummy. It's called pink belly. And it sucked, but yeah, I I I felt that acceptance to the guys. So the guys are, are fucking with me because they accept uh, yeah, definitely not endorsing platoon. hazing. That was the meeting I went to last week. Yeah. No hazing. Yeah, we do not endorse hazing. <laughs> there was not hazing <laughs> ever. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's just part of accepting the guy into the work. Like like I said, I I hit his beret in the microwave. Yeah. Someone else hit his keys somewhere. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's how it goes. And so like the guy, you, by that you mean like the soldier, so the male or the female, right? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um. We have females graduating ranger school and doing yeah. bullshit. And it we just we actually a tear to my eye. Have you met the uh, Lieutenant Williams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she's like the first officer. She's the first female officer in one I one to have a tab, and it's pretty. It's pretty. Four three nineteen just had one graduate. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, um, it's, it's freaking badass. It just, yeah, it's amazing how far we've come. Like in my twenty two years, I never, never, never would have thought that that females would be where we are. So it's yeah. awesome. Um, uh, the first female I seen get a tab, she was our old FSO. Mm-hmm. Well, today she's Captain Loran, but yeah, she she has a tab. She has a tab. She was the first female I see get a tab, which is also a very sensitive subject that I really enjoy talking about. Is is the whole um, female in combat arms mm-hmm. thing? Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I you know what I equate it to in some ways and I don't mean this in disrespect it's it's a positive correlation but so in my time I was a part of um, um, you know individuals who were bisexual homosexual were not allowed in the military and then don't ask don't tell policy and then RDAS so repeal of don't ask don't tell and then now it's like you know, do you all do me kind of thing, and we all go on about our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- so during RDAT, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the whole political, dr- and that's why, like, I don't want to, I'm not talking politics in any way, right? But um, th- a lot of people were very nervous, right? Like, the last thing we want is for an individual to be physically harmed or mentally harmed um, based on any label that society decides to put on them or that they would, you know, an- or anything, really. Um, but, you know, life has continued. Mm-hmm. right yeah so um i believe there's going to be some elements to that as well when females are put into combat arms because part of that you we have to realize what comes with both sides right so there's this natural protective measure um a protective response i should say that a lot of males have right like i want to protect the females it's the hunter gatherer mm-hmm. times yeah and so that's still innate in a lot of us um a lot of males that um so there, males, you're going to have to realize that, right? That if um, a soldier is a soldier is a soldier. So if shit goes down, you don't naturally only reach for the female because she's a female. You protect your battles kind of thing, right? Um, and then it, it is going to be a cultural shift, though, because there are a lot of derogatory means derogatory statements that are made about females i know that for a fact right Mm -hmm. in the more male dominated environment the more derogatory statements are made um and And the more that people are like the people in that environment okay with it well yeah 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 yeah. like um just just really just yeah talk down about females or females are just like um like just a vagina or something, right? Sure. There's not like a human being with a brain or leadership skills that mm-hmm. are there, right? So that would be a huge cultural adjustment and shift as well. And I know like reading some of the 
reports that some of the guys are understandably they're they're worried that they might say or do something that's going to end their career based on some type of sexism or um, you know perceived harassment. So that that comes with the cultural shift as well, just un- understanding that like um, if you say. I don't know, you're really cranky, did you take your tampon out to another guy or something when there's a female there that could be perceived as demeaning? Just, you know, so what do I think about it? I think it's 100% possible for the males and for the females. Human beings are capable of doing really hard shit and coming together uh, under tough times, but we just need to acknowledge it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, not hide it, just like emotions. We don't want to push it down and not talk about it, and it becomes the um, monster under the bed. Like, we all have a mission, we want to accomplish the mission, so let's figure out how to get there. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's another subject that I can talk about all day, because I think most most men in 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 the in the combat arms community, they <clears throat> their worries is not lots of guys that are worried about seeing the wrong thing, but other people guys that are more focused on the mission mm-hmm. they're worried that is she going to be able to pull her weight yeah and that's understandable right yeah. so that's why we have the i mean i'm a huge proponent for for physical fitness right i mean if i'm not challenging the males to my left and right on any given day you know for physical fitness purposes and i'm not i don't feel like i'm doing my job mm-hmm. right because um i do like to remind guys that females bring a lot to the table as well you know yeah um, just like any other any other mm-hmm. anybody can bring a lot to the table mm-hmm. and the one thing i love about this uh this new acft coming out is mm-hmm. it's it's no age dif- no age yeah. not age standard and not uh not not sex standard right yeah the, i mean there's like the mos um yeah mos like specific unit type stuff which i'll, I'll yeah. which i definitely don't agree with that but because um it's not hard to do seven seven leg tucks. Well, for all. some people, it really is though, and and it could be male or female because when you don't, first of all, you have to connect the brain to that part of the muscle, mm-hmm. right? And then you got to wake that part of the muscle up. So, it's not that it might be hard to do once you've already got it down. Mm-hmm. It's expectation management, and back to what I was saying about why physical fitness is so amazing because it shows you what you're truly capable of, yeah. right? And just like anything, if you tell a child that they're stupid, they're going to grow up thinking they're stupid. Right. If you tell them they're smart, they're going to grow up thinking they're smart. Right. So if you tell a recruit, hey, you got to do seven of these leg tucks and then you work to it, you can do seven. No problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. But and then going back to the whole female combat arms thing, it doesn't just apply to the females. It applies to anybody. If you if yeah. you're a dude or a girl in 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 a, if you're a man and a woman in a, in a infantry platoon or a scout mm-hmm. platoon and you can't pull your weight, it's going to suck. Either regardless if you're a female or a male, right? So, um, and we we see it, we see it happen. It's it's females are being more like uh, capable of doing things mm-hmm. more and more because they're understanding that well, if I don't show up in my platoon, mm-hmm. I, and I don't don't pull my weight. I'm gonna turn into the I'm gonna be a a, a number in the statistics on how females should not be part of the combat. Yeah. Yep. So we're changing the societal expectations. We're changing the individual expectations mm-hmm. and people will either rise up to it or they won't. Yeah. Like you said, male or female. And I think it's awesome. But they're always going to be the haters. They're always going to be the guys that are like, well, she got pushed to ranger school because she's a female. And that's one. Uh, I don't know if you read this or not, but there's like the first female ever is about to graduate the Q course and become oh, a Green so Beret. Exciting. Right. And I, 
I don't have no experience with Green Berets, but I highly doubt that they're just going to push someone through the, the, the qualification course, right? It's, it's, and that's what I like about it. It's, mm-hmm. um, every day more females are understanding, well, I need to pull my weight. Yeah. I need to be physically fit. I need right. to, I need to go get my tap to prove these motherfuckers that yeah, I, I can yeah. be just as bad as they are. And, and that's what's kind of like making the unit just stronger. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we can take it even, so I talked about RDAT, um, we can even go, with, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker, right, and our foxhole is, uh, so I love neuropsychology, I don't get me wrong, I love neuropsychology, um, uh, very much, uh, but I also, we, we do a lot of systems approach type stuff, right, so organizational psych- psychology, how does the whole system influence the individual, so if we take take our rights back right so so people of a certain skin tone were told that they didn't have certain rights or that they weren't capable of doing certain things mm-hmm. and we've come a, like we clearly have a long way to go but we've come a long way you know over yeah. the years a long long way um and now like if if somebody were to say oh you can't have that position because of your nationality or the color of your skin it's like are, are you fucking crazy like how does that how does the color of my skin influence my skill set it doesn't mm-hmm. right um and clearly male and females we have different anatomies we have different physiologies right so that is a that in that aspect that is real and true but that doesn't there's no um glass ceiling for what females can and can't accomplish based on that yeah i mean we have peacups right we can pee standing up (laughs) i'm not gonna get into that (laughs) but um we've been talking for a little bit over an hour i know my next patient is like way here She's on, she's on the way here? No, wait. Th- uh, 30 minutes past here. Oh. We, yeah, it was a little longer this way. Okay. Um, well, we're going to hit it with the last question, which I think is very important question to this podcast. Um, but what are, are some things that can go wrong when leaders don't attempt to fix their mental health issues? Well, some of, some of the things that I've seen individuals will wait to seek help whether it's mental health or physical until they're about to separate from the military and at that point their nervous system is so super sensitive because it's been overused for so many years right and so there's just this really deeply ingrained symptoms that takes a lot longer to to kind of work out you know um so the earlier we address concerns, the the less intensity it will take to to get things straightened out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big part of it. <laughs> Can you ask me it again though? Because I I don't think I fully answered your question. <laughs> it was it was a. Uh my patient just texted me for everybody who's not sitting in here. I'm a little bit uh, late. He's been waiting for a while. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll make this quick then. What w- What are some things that can happen when leaders don't? Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. some things that can happen. Um, so like I was saying, like your your um, parts of your brain they just get overused, and it can be really difficult to to really be present in your life. Um, and so that would be kind of like if you, if you waited for, for a very long time, right? But just like a substance use disorder, if you catch it early, the goal would be to catch it before you have the DUI, before you harm yourself or harm others. Um, what, what your mental health can look like if you don't address it is, um, you know, you just don't get the same joy out of life. Um, people have lost their 
marriages they have lost friendships they have lost rank for sure right like we've definitely had a couple guys punch um seniors in the time that i've been here based on their difficulty with um reigning in their anger responses Mm -hmm. so you know you can say and do things that might not have been in line with who you see yourself as um and it's not that you always do it maliciously or intentionally although of course it's generally intentional it just may not be with using your fullest brain capacity Mm -hmm. you know but but again with my signature balk it's about psychological fitness it's about living your best life so um just like if you have a physical injury, if you don't address it, but you keep pushing on, you know, with the rucking, it's, it's going to get worse and you're not going to enjoy life as much. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that closes it up. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking about your experiences on, on the show. Um, it's a really good episode. I'm really excited to post it. But, yeah, I appreciate you and... Um, that's the end of the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It was fun. It was so fun. We got to do it twice. Yeah. We did not just we did not talk about the same things from the first one to the second, but we got some of the stuff in there for yeah. sure. Hopefully we Psychological can do it. Psychological fitness. I can know. lose this episode. We can do it again. <laughs> You're gonna bring me a lot of Starbucks if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, world's greatest leaders, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Stay healthy. Okay. Let me work for it. He ain't never gonna find another rapper in the game and tell me that he works more. Tell me that he works more. Nah. You might see me with my hoodie up. I ain't leaving till I finish. This industry ain't nothing but a box. But I ain't gonna climb in it. You put me inside a room full of rappers. Come back in five minutes. I'ma be the only one still alive with a note on my chest saying that I did it. You do it for fame, we're way different. Y'all looking weak, we ain't cooking in the same kitchen. Everybody got a shirt with a stain in it. Some of us are never wearing it out though.